You're listening to Wealthy-esque. We are a community of lawyers who believe that true wealth is having control of our time. I'm Ro Thomas, and as a busy wife, mom, and big law associate, I know all too well the tension between the culture of the legal profession and pretty much everything else you want to do in life. Each week, I'm bringing you the information and tools you need to take back control of your time by reframing your mindset and managing your money to achieve lifestyle freedom. Take the first step toward regaining control of your time by downloading your free Lifestyle Freedom Starter Guide at rowthomas.com start. Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of Wealthy-esque. Thank you so much for joining me. I know how busy we all are, and so I truly appreciate you taking some time out to spend with me. Today, I want to talk about why many lawyers struggle to build wealth. There's this thought in our society that when you make a lot of money, then personal finance is easy. People who make a lot of money are well off. They're rich. They don't have money struggles, right? But a 2015 Nielsen study found that 25% of households making $150,000 a year or more are living paycheck to paycheck. That's such a shocking statistic because it goes against what we would expect. The average household income in America is about $60,000. So there's this, this disconnect when we think of households making two and a half times that amount struggling. So let's talk about it. We're going to look at this high income struggle from the angle of lawyers in particular. And I think there are two overarching things that stand in the way of lawyers building wealth, and that's mindset and behaviors. So today we're going to look at specific mindsets and behaviors that are common to lawyers but hinder wealth building. We're going to talk about limiting beliefs around money, the way lawyers often view money, the I work hard, I deserve it mentality, living the lawyer lifestyle, not budgeting, ignoring student loans, and why any of this matters anyway. So jumping in, let's talk about limiting beliefs. And in particular, we're talking about the things we believe about money that have a negative impact on our money. We talked a little bit about this in episode two, how your beliefs drive your feelings and your feelings drive your actions and actions drive your outcomes, and then those outcomes reinforce your beliefs. So any limiting beliefs we have around money ultimately influence the way we act with our money and the outcomes we see with our money. Let me know if this one sounds familiar. Money is the root of all evil. I hate this one so much because it's a misquote from the Bible. Someone may have told you that the Bible says Money is the root of all evil, but the Bible doesn't say that. 1 Timothy 6 and 10 says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So what's the love of money? Greed, right? So greed can lead to all kinds of evil. I agree with that. Money itself is just a resource. If you subconsciously believe that money is the root of all evil, then how does that affect the way you view money? How does that affect the way you view wealth? You're going to be reluctant to hold on to money too long. You'll unconsciously sabotage wealth building 
because in your mind, money and evil are one and the same. It's one thing to consider holding on to the root of all evil versus holding on to a resource that will help you get control of your life and make a difference in the world. So how about this one? Rich people are dishonest or evil or crooked or whatever you want to say. If you believe that people with a lot of money are inherently bad, then you're not going to want to be a person with a lot of money. The stereotype of the mean, crooked, rich guy is perpetuated in the media, and it really shapes the way we view wealth. But think about this. Churches and other religious institutions and nonprofits and all these organizations that do good in the world need money. How are we going to affect change in the world if we're all sitting around looking at each other broke? Another one is the only way to have wealth is to inherit it, win the lottery, or invent something. If you believe that all wealthy people got an inheritance or won their money or came up with some novel invention, then you won't be looking at ways that you can build wealth in your own everyday job. Think about how much money you've made in your career so far. It's probably a much larger number than you realize, right? The point is, you don't have to do any of those things to build wealth. It's possible to build wealth by working a normal job, managing your money well, and investing. Consider this. Teaching is among the top professions held by millionaires in America, according to a study conducted by Ramsey Solutions last year. Switching gears, let's talk about the way we tend to view money. We tend to equate a high income with being wealthy or at least being well-off. But even if your income is a million dollars, if you spend all of it and have nothing to show for all the money you brought in, you're not wealthy or well-off. When we assume that we're doing well because we have a high income, we probably aren't paying attention to our money. That's exactly what happened with my husband and me. We didn't think that we were wealthy or anything, but we knew that we were bringing in a high income, and so we felt like we were doing well. But when we started paying closer attention to our money, we found that we were in a lot of debt and we weren't well off at all. We were actually quite broke. So we can't equate a high income and wealth. They're not the same. You can have a high income and be broke. You can have a lower income and be wealthy. It really comes down to how you manage the money you bring in. And we'll get more into managing money a little later when we talk about budgeting. Another thing with the way we view money is that we often look at it primarily as a tool to buy stuff. For example, what happens when you get a raise or a bonus? For many of us, we are looking at this thing that we've been wanting to buy that now we can afford. But when we equate money with buying power and we're constantly looking for ways to spend it, it'll be more difficult to build wealth. For many of us, as our incomes go up, our perceived needs go up as well. So we end up spending more as we earn more rather than saving and investing more. If you're going for financial independence and lifestyle freedom, then you want to look at your money as a tool or a resource to buy back your time rather than buying stuff. The more you spend on stuff, the less you have to build wealth. Also, most of the time we buy the thing and then we're quickly over it, right? We don't even care about it down the line. 
because we didn't really value it in the first place. So instead of viewing money as a way to buy more stuff that we don't even care about, let's look at it as a tool to buy back our time and build wealth. So now let's look at the I work hard, I deserve it mentality. This way of thinking can be detrimental to building wealth because we typically use it as a way to justify or make ourselves feel better about buying expensive things. And if you're only focused on buying the things and don't have a plan in place for your money, then you'll look up and have nothing to show for the money you've worked hard for except all the stuff that you, quote, deserve. Yes, I agree. You work hard. As a lawyer, you've got a lot going on. You got a lot on your plate. You're managing your clients and partners and more junior associates and paralegals, other staff, your overall caseload, not to mention your spouse, your kids, other family, friends, interests outside work. But don't use the fact that you're working hard and juggling a lot as an excuse to go and buy a bunch of stuff that you don't really care about. You work hard, but I think ultimately, What you deserve is to have something to show for all the hard work that you do. You deserve to have money in your account that ultimately helps you to have more control over your time. All right, along the same lines, let's talk about living the lawyer lifestyle. I posted on Instagram earlier this week, and that's at I am Ro Thomas if you're not following me. But anyway, I posted on Instagram about my husband's and my first few years after I finished law school and the things that we were doing that played into this lawyer lifestyle, right? So we got a nicer apartment in a wealthier part of town, and we paid for this amazing wedding and went to St. Lucia for our honeymoon, and we went to all the nice restaurants weekly for date night, and we went to Paris and London for our first anniversary, and we were just living the life. But after our son was born, about two years later, we started looking at the way we want to raise our kids and the lifestyle we want to live going forward. And we sit down to look at our finances to see how we can get there and found that we were broke. And the problem was that we didn't have a plan for our money. We had all this money coming in and it afforded us this great lifestyle, but we didn't have anything to show for it at the end. I don't regret the things we did. Like we had a lot of fun and we've learned a lot from this experience of finding ourselves broke, making six figures. And we did value those things that we were spending on, which I think is important when you're buying things. But I wish we had been intentional with our money from the beginning and we would be a lot further along in this financial plan and this quest for lifestyle freedom. That's the whole point, right? I'm not saying don't buy things. But I think that we've got this tendency to look at what all of our colleagues are doing and what all our colleagues are buying. And we decide that we need those things, too. But we don't really consider whether we actually care about them. So, yes, spend on things that you truly care about, that you actually value, that bring joy to your life. But don't get caught up in buying things just for the sake of buying them. And live in this particular lifestyle because you, you know, quote, deserve it, going back to that mindset piece, or because everyone else around you is buying it. If you don't care about it, then who cares what they bought, right? Okay, now let's look at some common behaviors around money that hinder lawyers from building wealth. One of the biggest ones is not having a budget. 
And we talked about budgeting back in episode seven. So I won't go too deep into it here, but not having a budget really hinders your ability to build wealth because it's really easy for your expenses to creep up to the point that they equal or exceed your income if you're not paying attention. When you don't know what's coming in and what's going out and when you're not paying attention, then it's going to be hard for you to tell whether you're actually making progress with your money or not. So going back to that statistic I quoted earlier, 25% of households making $150,000 or more are living paycheck to paycheck. And it's probably not paycheck to paycheck in the sense that we typically think about it. It's probably more like spending next month's money on this month's expenses. But if you're not budgeting, then you may not realize that that's what's happening. So we talked about a number of different budget types and who each one would be right for in episode seven. So head back there and check that out if you haven't already. And if you need some help getting started, you can download the exact budget template that my husband and I use at rowthomas.com slash budget. Okay, so the final thing I want to look at is this tendency we have to ignore our student loans. If you're like most of us, you probably came out of law school with six-figure student loans. And a lot of times people come out and just pretend that debt isn't there. They come out and jump right into living the life, paying the minimum payment and keeping it moving. And that was me. I don't recall exactly how much I had when I graduated, but I know it was under $110,000. We'll say $110,000, though, just for the sake of this discussion. So my minimum payment was a little under $1,000 a month, and I paid the minimum payment from November 2014, once my grace period was up, until December 2016, when we sat down to look at our finances and see what was going on. And if you're not familiar with the story of how my husband and I looked at our finances and found that we were over $670,000 in debt, head back to episode one where I dig into that story a bit. But anyway, my minimum payment was a little under $1,000 and I paid the minimum payment for two years. And when we looked at our finances, my student loan balance was at $104,000. So assuming that it was at $110,000 when I started and I paid $24,000 over the course of two years, You can imagine that I expected my loan balance to be a little lower than $104,000. I knew that with interest, it wouldn't be in the 80,000s, but I thought it would at least be in the 90,000s, but that's where it was. And so I say all of that to encourage you to pay attention to your student loans and to use your money to pay them off quickly. You pay so much in interest when you just pay the minimum payment. And all that money going to interest could be going towards your goals. I'm not going to lie. It sucks sending these super large payments in. But at the same time, it feels amazing to watch the balance go down. Like we paid my student loans off in a little over a year and a half once we decided to get our finances together. And we're still working on my husband's mortgage from med school. If you want to get the exact debt repayment tracker we use, download my Finance Basics Bundle. It includes the debt repayment tracker, a budget template, and the net worth calculator we use as well. You can head to rowthomas.com slash finance basics to pick that up. 
So why does any of this matter? It matters because not fixing our relationship with money is holding us back from what we really want in life. The point is not the money. It's not building wealth to say we're wealthy. We're aiming for lifestyle freedom. That point that we have control over our time. We have options in our lives. And yes, we can get some of that just by changing our mindset around our time and setting boundaries and things like that. But it's a whole different ball game when you have enough money saved that you don't need your job. It's a whole different conversation when you're in a toxic environment or you're truly miserable in your job or whatever. If you've got a year's worth of expenses saved, five years worth of expenses invested, or you're completely financially independent where you don't need the job at all, that's a whole different conversation than if you're still on that paycheck to paycheck cycle and you need the income. You're going to approach those situations differently. And unfortunately, you'll likely end up staying in a situation that doesn't serve you because you can't afford to leave. That's what I don't want for you, friend. So not fixing our mindset and behaviors around money is keeping us from building wealth and holding us back from what we ultimately want, which is the control of our time. Having money allows you to have that control. It gives you options. Okay, so let's recap. Number one, limiting beliefs will always hold you back from building wealth. Until you figure out what your limiting beliefs are around money and overcome them, it'll be difficult for you to make progress towards your goals. Number two, having a large income is not the same as being wealthy. You can bring in a lot of money, spend it all, and not build wealth. You can bring in a lower income, save it, and build wealth. Number three, rather than looking at money as a way to buy more stuff, Look at it as a resource to buy back your time and change the world. Number four, get out of the I work hard, I deserve it mentality. That's just a way to justify buying more stuff. What you deserve is having control of your time and having something to show for the hard work you do. Number five, don't worry about what your colleagues are buying and spending on. Buy things that make you happy and that you value. Number six, Good money habits like budgeting and paying off your student loans or any other debt help move the needle toward building wealth. You're actually paying attention to what's happening with your money and can correct course if things aren't going the way you want. And number seven, remember the ultimate goal is not the money. It's having control over your time. Okay, that's it for this episode. Join me over in our private Facebook community, The Wealthiest Community, I'd love to talk more about how we can stop struggling to build wealth. You can head to rowthomas.com slash community. If you got value from today's episode, please subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're listening on so you'll be notified when new episodes are released. I'd also love if you leave me a written review to help others find the show. Sharing is caring, so go ahead and share this episode with a friend you think would benefit from this message. And if you share on social media, don't forget to tag me at I am Ro Thomas on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. As we close out, friend, I pray that you will dig deep and really reflect on the mindsets and limiting beliefs that you have around money that are keeping you from building wealth. I pray that you will review your money habits and commit to managing your money better. And as always, I pray that you will continue to take steps to regain control of your time, build wealth, and live the life of freedom and choice you deserve. Talk to you later.